0: The biggest mistake I think people make with networking is that they only do it when they need something. I had this conversation with a friend once who got a new job, and I was like, awesome, start networking for your next job. And that might be in 10 years, but the great, great Irish saying, the best time to fix the roof is when the sun is shining.
1: This is Brand Story, a podcast featuring in depth conversations with leaders, marketers, and brand storytellers about their professional journey and the impact they are making on the world around them. Welcome to the Brand Story Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gelman, and my guest today is David J.P. Fisher. David is a best-selling author, keynote speaker, and coach focused on helping others build their digital influence, increase their sales effectiveness, and create strong personal connections. His books, Networking in the 21st Century, Hyperconnected Selling, and Networking in the 21st Century on LinkedIn, are must-reads. And David is also the president of Rockstar Consulting, a professional development consultancy focused on providing LinkedIn coaching. Messaging support, social selling training, and fractional sales coaching, management service, etc. You're a jack of all trades. David, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I I sound like I know what I'm talking about. This yeah, be- it's
1: an impressive resume. <laughs>
0: we'll see if that's true. We'll see if that's true. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I wanted to start out a little bit about talking uh, a little bit about your two books. Sure. You know, Networking in the 21st Century, which is kind of a classic. I actually read your book years ago. All right. You're the one. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I did. I got I'm that one guy. Uh, networking in the 21st Century on LinkedIn, which, I, which is a pretty recent update. What motivated you to update it for LinkedIn specifically?
0: Well, so uh, when I first wrote Networking in the 21st Century, uh, it was almost 10 years ago now, uh, i had also been doing a lot of teaching and training around LinkedIn. And I was actually kind of an early adopter of LinkedIn. Uh, I ran my first training on it in 2008. So I'm kind of wow. OG. Uh, but for me, for me, it was just a very uh, natural progression. I was I built my business through networking. I was involved with a lot of small business owners and salespeople around the concept, and I was like, well, hey, look, there's this way we can do it online now. This is so cool, and so I had a lot of content there. People were asking, you know, can you put it all together? So that was the original uh, conception behind the networking in the 21st century on LinkedIn, and then because you know the platform changes, we actually just in uh, fall of twenty twenty one released the third edition of it, right? Wow. Not only because the platform evolved, but one thing that uh, also really stood out to me was just how we use it, right? The etiquette, the the way it's being integrated into our business life. Obviously, that was accelerated because of social distancing in the pandemic. But I actually don't think it was caused by that. I think the pandemic just accelerated some some existing trends. So, I think there's lots of ways that we engage these days and, you know, networking can go from the offline to the online. So whatever way I could put that information together, boom, there we go. Yeah, I think it's really helpful
1: information. And and if anyone listening doesn't follow David on LinkedIn, I highly recommend it because one, you'll get some really high quality content. You'll learn a lot, but also he's pretty entertaining (laughs) at the same time.
0: I I try to keep my snarkiness in check most days.
1: I enjoy it. So (laughs) I, I really love it. So there was a phrase in, in something you wrote recently that, uh, that you said, you know, there isn't just one point in time that a relationship happens. Mm. And I think there are so many people, you know, when they look at LinkedIn or they look at social media, they think, okay, this is a thing I'm going to do. Right. But, you know, isn't it more about more than that? Isn't it a sort of a cross-platform effort to really network?
0: Yeah, I think that networking is always, even pre-digital, uh, really was involved in multiple touch points, right? We, we have this idea that networking is going to uh, a cocktail reception, having some really bad appetizers, some awkward conversations, getting some business cards. My favorite. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you know what, I actually think there is a really important place uh, for that part of the, the process. I, I think that that in-person um, element is key. Back in the day, we would do that, and then we might send a, a letter, we might give somebody a phone call, uh, have the business lunch. Go out. Hit the hit the links. You know, go golfing with that that person uh, that you're trying to build a relationship with. I, I tell a story uh, actually in, in the first book where I my grandma was a pretty amazing woman. Besides having seven kids, she was her own. She basically ran, was a solopreneur accountant before that wow. was a thing. And I just remember her like sending out those calendars with the name, you know, and the company like every year to her, yeah. her clients.
1: good old school marketing right there. Yeah.
0: What I think has now happened with digital is, if used correctly, it is part of that multi-channel approach. That now we can have that in-person uh, conversation at an event, at a conference, whatever it might be, and then we have LinkedIn where we can stay in touch with people in between those, uh, you know, in-person events. We have Zoom where we can jump on a quick video call. We have email and text, and I mean that's uh, that's how you build relationships. They're not even business relationships. That's just personal relationships. So it makes sense to use it in the professional sphere as well.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's interesting cuz I think people forget that on social media whether they've just been conditioned by the you know the early adopter platforms like Facebook where it's like I'm going to smash the like button and I'm gone. You know, <laughs> that's all I'm going to do. Right. You know, but I think it's so important on LinkedIn to slow down and actually interact and comment on other people's, you know, stuff when someone posts something and you like it
0: or you find it interesting, slow down and talk about it. Absolutely. You know, I'm a a big fan of of the commenting. You know, that's where a lot of the power is on LinkedIn because that's where the conversations happen. Uh, I really think that LinkedIn has uh, kind of a two level uh, benefit for your networking. One, you know, if if I comment on something that you posted or vice versa, and we've definitely done that, uh, that does a lot to build this relationship. But one one of the nice things is it it actually allows us to have that conversation in a public forum. I I kind of imagine that it's like being at that event and you and I are in that group of three or five people and you and I are having a conversation and we, you don't know if that person that's with you in the group goes, oh, that's a really interesting thing that, that, you know, Steve just said, I should follow up with them or, oh, wow, David's talking about something. I should introduce him to somebody. The great thing is instead of three to five people, it can sometimes be hundreds, if not thousands.
1: And I just don't think you ever really know where the good connection or the, the, the real relationship is going to come from. It's, you know, as I've gotten more and more active on LinkedIn, I've just noticed that I have no idea. Like the less goal I have and the more I'm just being a friendly person and trying to really actually just make friends and interact with people. That's how this works. And it's, so it is, I love your analogy. It's like a digital cocktail party without the awkwardness and the terrible shrimp.
0: (laughs) Right. And I love what you said there, where you just don't know where it's going to go. I think one of the big mistakes And this isn't just a digital thing, this is just one of the reasons why I think people are very resistant to this idea of networking in general, is because it is one of the the parts of, of business that really, it's not just sales, or not just entrepreneurship, marketing, it's across the board, where we don't see a very direct return. And when I mean by direct return, we don't know, hey, I'm going to do X and get Y. And because of that, it can be very... And, and I, I would agree to the statement, it's very demotivating. It's very demotivating to go to an event and maybe you meet a bunch of people, but you're like, oh, I was just trying to get that new job and I, I don't feel like I'm any farther along. And there's a level of trust that you have to have in the process, I always say, uh, and I, I heard this saying somewhere, it's, you, know, you can't stand in front of a stove and go, if you give me heat and if you give me light, I'll feed some wood in, right? You have to be willing to kind of invest and give first. And that's the same thing with LinkedIn, you know?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, that that uh, reflects really well for me. I, I, um, you know, this podcast, there's so many podcasts in the world that are specific niche podcasts where, you know, you're talking about, you know, software is service and that's all you care about is, you know, your SaaS audience and you're just hammering your value proposition. It's barely under the surface at all times. Right. And, you know, those kind of podcasts bother me. I just really don't enjoy that. And so I started this podcast just for a relationship, mm-hmm. just so I could have really cool one-on-one conversations with people who I think are brilliant or have something to add to the conversation.
0: Or me. I appreciate it. Thanks for letting me in.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, you know, it's my vote. So if I think you're brilliant, that's just my opinion. Cheers. But yeah, I, and I, I super enjoy your books and everything you have to say because I think... One of the things that I en- I've ended up talking about a lot on this podcast is empathy. Mm-hmm. And with people I don't expect it from, you know, and yeah. I-, I feel like the best leaders or the best networks are naturally empathic people. hundred percent. So is that something when you think about sales and you think about networking, you know, are you actually intentionally think about being empathic? What is your process there?
0: Oh, a hundred percent. You know, I think one of the things that was really interesting at uh, early 2020, so I think the pandemic and whether or not we're through it or whatever, uh, I think what was really interesting in the pandemic is it, the social distancing and everything that happened in, in the first half of 2020 kind of put into stark relief some business practices that had developed some trends that were not necessarily positive. And one of them was, I saw in the sales world, you know, for example, all the sales conversations on LinkedIn, everybody was like, hey, a lot of tough things are going on. We really need to be empathic with our prospects, with our clients, or, hey, sales leaders, be empathic with your, uh, your sales team. Nobody realized what they were really saying was, we have not been empathic up to this point, but we should really try to do that now. And I, I might have called a few people out on that one. Empathy is, I think, a key part of networking. It's a key part of sales. These are human-to-human interactions, and human beings are empathetic creatures. Empathy is actually the, the, the way we developed our brains to connect with other human beings. There's a lot of science here that you can get super nerdy about how we actually have human conversations. If you think about the kind of craziness it is to, you're your you're person, I'm my person, and all of a sudden we inter- interact, we engage, we learn from each other. And, and I think the best salespeople, and this, again, is pre, pre-digital, we're just the ones who are, I'm going to address you as a human being. I'm going to connect with you as a human being. All business relationships, I say, are relationships, right? So if, if we can build that empathic connection, yeah, business, business might happen on top of it. I always say, and I love this saying, I don't know where I got it from. I'm sure somebody much smarter than me. Uh, to be really successful in sales, don't sell to people, sell four people. Uh, and so, that, that kind of gets that idea of empathy, of like, hey, I'm gonna connect with you, I'm gonna build this relationship. If there's something I can do to help you, great. If not, that's cool, we'll, we'll still have this connection. Whether that's in a pure sales relationship or even just networking. I, I, I love networking, because kind of like you, I like to get to know people and hear their stories. And, and sometimes I can help them, sometimes they can help me, sometimes there's nothing right there. But years later, uh, it's like, hey, could you introduce me to so-and-so? It's, it's really powerful.
1: It's really great. And I think the, I think, you know, I was going to ask you, you've spent so many years in sales and mm-hmm. sales can get a bad rap. Deservedly. <laughs> yeah, deservedly. But do you think that's because so many people approach it as transactional?
0: I think it's because enough people do uh, approach it transactionally. And to, in their defense, 20 or 30 years ago, sales was much more transactional, right? This is really where, and you even look at it from a marketing standpoint uh, or a sales standpoint, late 90s, uh, early 2000s, how did you find out about something? Really, only when a salesperson called you and said, I want to have a conversation. The fact that the buyers now, you know, there, there used to be in information asymmetry where the buyer had more information. Now the, the, uh, or excuse me, the seller had more information. Now the buyer does have that information. So I, I do think many of us were burned by the transactional salesperson that, that, that stereotype is still there. But I would even argue that during that, you know, that run where the transactional salesperson was you know, kind of the, the norm, if you looked at really any sales organization, if you looked at their top people, yeah, there'd be that one you know, guy, and, and often it was a guy, who was just the churn and burn, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm slick and smarmy, I, mean, yeah. I just wanna get sales. But if you really looked Super at- Super aggressive. Yeah, but yeah. if you really looked at the people that had staying power, it was the ones who were like, "Hey, I'm gonna connect. Uh, I'm I'm gonna build that relationship." Uh, I remember very early on listening to um, an audio tape. That's how old school. I'm using the word tape as in cassette tape on purpose. But very early in my career, listening to Harvey McKay, who was this, uh, and I forget the name. It had something to do with sharks, but he he bought an envelope company. Became he was like an early you know selling sales trainer and you know Tony Robbins. Kind of guy, but he had a 66 part CRM uh, that he was like, we have to like find all the stuff out about our our uh, clients. By the way, this is in the time before there was such thing as a CRM, right? He's like literally like pieces of paper, but so it was there. It was just I think a lot of us had that experience with the really aggressive, don't take no, and that just stays out in people's minds. And and so yeah, I think that's that's where that stereotype came from.
1: Yeah, and I think the best salespeople don't—they, you know, their title might be sales, but the absolute best salespeople are more like guides. Yeah, they're they're people that are going to help you find a solution, not just come at you with something <laughs> that they want you to do.
0: Right. I in in hyperconnected selling, which I, I was realizing I, I I'm not patting myself on the back enough for this one, because uh, <laughs> in so I wrote that in 2017 and I talked about a concept I called the sales Sherpa which is exactly what you just said there, it's a guide. And again, this was before the pandemic, but whatever it was doing when, you know, they all of a sudden couldn't go out and meet in person, they're like, okay, how do I just position myself, right? It's kind of a, a almost a marketing tool, right? How do I position myself in the minds of my buyers? And that's really, I think you're spot on. It's in a world where buyers have information, a salesperson's value or, or any, and. You could have sales in your job title. you could be a business owner, you could be an entrepreneur, an agency owner, or just anybody who's trying to influence another it's 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 not about giving people information anymore because they they've got a glut of that. It's really giving them the ability I, I say a sales sherp is somebody who helps people make decisions more easily, more quickly, and with less risk. I like that so you know if, if you think about buying a house, right, you can actually find all the houses on the market, right you go online, but. You, there's more real estate agents now than there ever was, right? And the reason why is because, yeah, I can look it up, but I don't know how to parse through the information. I don't know the school districts. I don't know that it says cozy and you know near transportation means tiny and right next to the highway. But an expert does. So, yeah, we, we have to be guides for the people that we serve.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a, a great truism for all types of business people, certainly in what we do. You know, we often describe ourselves as creative border collies, which is a little (laughs) like being a sales Sherpa (laughs) Yeah. in that, you know, there's so much information and the information's all out there, but by the time someone's ready to execute a big marketing effort or, you know, some type of brand positioning, they need that little bit of guidance from someone that has deeper experience. Right. But it's all about, it's like anything, it's about trust. You know, when you were talking about real estate, I thought about my real estate agent that helped me and my partner get our house. And we just trusted her so much mm-hmm. because we felt like we could. There wasn't any anything beyond that. It's because she never tried to sell us anything, and I really felt like she had our best interests in mind.
0: Yeah, my wife and I recently bought a, a house last year, uh, and uh, my real estate agent and my mortgage broker are both friends of mine. that I met both of these individuals through networking over 15 years ago. Uh, by the way I, I had we had lived in our place for 18 years so I'd never given these people business before but we'd built relationships I knew them I liked them and I trust them I said we we basically had built friendships the moment we were like we're going to move it wasn't oh my gosh who should we work with I was just like hey Andrew we're buying I'm I'm on board John my mortgage broker literally went nowhere else I was just like John this is what you know our price range is just go get get me a good deal You'll take care of me. What a, I mean, again, what a relief, like I, there was no buy or I should say searching around I've just take care of me. And, and I know that he did.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, the trust you get with people is through, you know, you talk about that networking is, a, is, a, you know, a combination of a lot of touch points mm-hmm. over time. It isn't just like, hi, I meet you. Now we
0: networked. Okay. See you later. <laughs> we've, we've, I, I, <laughs> I'm just talking about thinking about mortgage brokers and going back in the day where you'd meet somebody at a, a, a an event and they'd be like, "Oh, uh, I'm a mortgage broker. Are you? Uh, th- do you? Are you sit, buying a home soon? Or you know somebody who is?" I'm like, yeah. dude, I just met you, right?"
1: Jeez, relax, man. Yeah, it'd,
0: it'd be like asking somebody to marry you. At you know, hey, we just met at this bar. You want to get married? And you're like, "Okay, let's get coffee sometime."
1: Just a little fast to the finish line there. <laughs> right. Yeah, I I think you know there's something about today's world. That has made people so impatient that, you know, still in LinkedIn, you know, I'll have, if someone try, connects with me, I'm sort of a, yeah, I'll sure. accept a connection. Why wouldn't I? And then if they're a salesperson, sometimes they'll do the thing where they connect and the next thing I get is a direct message with a sales
0: pitch. Oh, yeah. The pitch slap. Yeah.
1: yeah. And it's like, I I almost feel bad. So what I always try to do is write them a note explaining why that doesn't work, which is a, you know, I've gotten people saying, thanks for taking the time to do that. And other people have, you know, never heard from again, but it's the same thing. It's like, don't rush to, I just said hi to you. Don't be like, hi, buy this house. Right, right. It's just too much.
0: Well, and a lot of that still is, is a holdover from, uh, you know, the last, last 20 years, you, you had a lot of cold outreach and, you know, whether it was phone or email, uh, and then once social came around and taxed, they're like oh what, what are the, what's the saying there's there hasn't been a uh, communication platform designed yet that a marketer or salesperson can't completely run into the ground
1: <laughs> that's great but yeah.
0: but the the other reality is uh, and, and we saw a spike of this in in 2020 when all of a sudden all the salespeople couldn't go out in person and c- cold call at phone and email was wasn't as uh, successful, they're like, okay, we're going to take the same approach, that same transactional, automated, at scale approach, and just use it to put on LinkedIn. And in the defense of the salespeople, a, they haven't been trained the right way, right way to do it, you know. And b, they're they're often, you know, let's be really straightforward, they're they're being told to do this by uh, management and sales leadership, and and uh, even all the way up, uh, where leadership came up in a world like. I mean, let's just say if you're 55 or 60 and you're, you know, a C-suite in a big company, uh, you are a salesperson or a marketer in the late 90s. And you're like, oh, we can just, you know, do a bunch of cold blast emails and it'll, it'll, we'll get results. Right. And they don't know the yeah, world's changed. Right. So, yeah, you're you're very kind for trying to help them out. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. I don't. Yeah. I, well, you know,
1: I don't do it every time, but every once in a while, I just feel like, oh, you know, maybe this will stick with you and you'll change your approach a little. I don't know. Good
0: deed for the week.
1: Yeah. I always have a lot of empathy for people in those positions with someone above them just hammering their numbers. Right. And, you know, it's a, I think it's something that'll change because it just doesn't work as well. You know, any oh, yeah. anytime, you know, sales organizations run into th- something that doesn't work, they do have to change. So that's, you know, that, that brings me on to something else I wanted to ask you about. You teach people how to do this. You coach people, you know, your books, I think, have a ton of knowledge for anyone's who's interested in how to sell ethically, because that's what I always take away from your content. It's about selling ethically and just being a kind person. Thank you. Yeah. And I think you do that so well. So how do you encourage people to blend the digital and the human together? You know, because even when they're on a digital platform, I find your content be incredibly human, you know, and I'm sure, you know, in person, we're sitting here talking to each other on basically <laughs> the
0: podcast form of Zoom. Right.
1: But, you know, uh, so how do you, how, do you teach, how, how do you help
0: people with that? Uh, well, well, thank you very much for the kind words. Um, y- gosh, you know, it's not easy, right? And, and And I say that not because I don't think I'm pretty good at it, but I think there's way too much... You talked about the impatient, you know, shortcut. Tell me that the 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 coaching hack that you know. It, um, <laughs> I think the the first thing. The
1: two-second hack. Yeah.
0: Right, right. For for me, it actually starts with something that has not always made me in lockstep with kind of the kind of thinking is that it is challenging, right? It does. Th- this is a process, you know. I I tell. Um, Sales leaders, like if they want me to go work with the organization, I'm sure this has lost me business as much as its gave me business. but I, I go, hey, I'm not a miracle worker. Like I you know I, I can't go in and teach your team social selling and we're gonna get hundred percent of the people to hundred percent on it and get all this bit. You know, like, the world is complex, and people are complex. I, I actually got my start uh, as a sales trainer, uh, teaching kids, and I say kids because they are eighteen and nineteen years old how to sell Cutco knives, right, cutlery. Wow. Uh, it's direct sales, and uh, it was actually really valuable because most of them had not, not only not sold anything, but sometimes this was their first job. And so if you think about change management, like helping them understand this process and develop this process, um, I, I think a big part of it for me has always been just acknowledging the humanity of not only uh, the salesperson or whoever I'm working with, you know, I've... I've worked with people to be very straightforward, up to those executives running really, really big companies with lots of zeros in their revenue, and even them, it's like just be a human being and acknowledge that they're hu- acknowledge that there's some fears, acknowledge that you know they might not know something and they might be uncomfortable saying I don't know that, and then it's really uh, once you do that, then it's where do you want to go? Like, what do you want to accomplish out of? whatever skill whether it's linkedin you talked about blending the digital and the in the human digital is just a tool i mean let's i'd actually say it that way digital is a tool linkedin or email whatever you want to call the phone it those are all tools humanity is at our core so it's actually why in the in networking in the 21st century i i have a half chapter i was pretty proud of that that innovation <laughs> uh, a half yeah. chapter because it wasn't quite long enough <laughs> for a chapter but it was but it was too long for just a, a, a you know call out a blurb yeah but it, you know i talk about the key to networking is per- personal development right because i do think that personal development has to precede professional development and that's in the end the shortcut that so many and that's not a sales thing it's not a networking thing that's a human thing like we just give me the easy way of doing this and you know, I, I I think life is kind of like being a farmer. I, I, am not a farmer, but I've started gardening the last couple of years and there's just no way you can make a plant grow faster. (laughs) You know, you can't yell at it enough. You can't give it enough of a motivational speech. Um, And, 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 you know, and so what does personal development mean? It could be so many things for so many different people, whether that's reading or um, working with a faith tradition or going to the one of the best business investments I've ever made at various times in my career therapy. Yeah. Not business coaching, pure straight out like helping me figure out how this brain works for you. and the soul works. And and I think we need more of it. I am married to a therapist so I'm a little little biased here.
1: No, I share your bias. I think that's I think therapy is so important. The more emotion, the more you you're aware of your own emotions. Yeah. The more you're in touch with yourself, the more you can be in touch with other people.
0: What a weird concept, right?
1: I know it's crazy, <laughs> isn't it? You can't you can't just yell your five top hacks at someone else and then expect great
0: results, you know? Yeah, like, my, the, my my success as a professional, and, and it's I mean, and, and I first wrote the book I said almost ten years ago. It's it's continued to track this way. My success as a professional, and not always like with the amount of money I'm making or the accolades, but yeah, like right. just the day to day. How do I feel about myself? Has absolutely tracked and correlated with my ability, you said it's like my emotional capacity, my emotional intelligence about myself. Um, So even when the bad things happen, I'm much more likely to be like, oh, okay. Like, I gotta deal with that, but that's fine. This is not the other world where, you know, 10 years ago I might've been pulling my hair out.
1: Yeah, it, it is a, I think you make a great point because being comfortable with yourself and not riding the, not being blown like a leaf in the breeze by every change, sets you up to be able to have better relationships, Mm -hmm. to be able to actually, because the thing that I think is missing in so many people that are either in sales or even leadership is just authentic listening. Like, listen without waiting to talk. Like, listen for real, not just to get your, to look smart when you get to talk. And, uh, you know, I've had my own company for, this is going on our 27th year, and it is entirely because of the ability to listen to others, right? That's it. You know, I would say that's my top skill, is I can listen to other people and set my <laughs> agenda aside and try to figure out what they really are saying or what they really need. And I think that that's just something that we all can work on.
0: A hundred percent. And to the point of working on it, I'm still absolutely working on it.
1: Right oh, me too. Yeah. Every day. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, Every once in a while, I'm out there shouting at a plant with you.
0: Yeah, but to you know, you asked earlier about like, how do you sell ethically or authentically? Yeah. A big part of it is just knowing like, Hey, I'm going to go into this interaction with a, a prospect, a client, a partner, a peer, uh, whoever it is. And I'm going to come from a place or I'm, let's be blunt. I'm going to attempt to come from a place of intention and authenticity and compassion and kindness. Uh, one thing that that I often tell B2B sellers, and so I, I started in kind of more of a B2C and, and transitioned in, is no matter what what amount is on the, the contract, you're still selling to a human being. And you know, so one of the ways you can even be more successful in kind of B2B sales is just go, there's a human being on the other side. What do they want? And not what what's the ROI they're trying to get from the business. It's the, I, just as an example, you're talking to somebody and realizing, oh, this this cmo is just feeling under attack and they think if they really screw this up you know their jobs on the line right so it's not just you're selling this specific proposal you're really looking at their fears and going okay how do i <laughs> how do i lay their fears and also make sure that what we're doing is going to support them and it's just i'm picking out an example but so often there's a text and then a subtext to all of our conversations and when you listen you can you have a better shot Of understanding the subtext.
1: Yeah. And the subtext is so important because, you know, business people have human emotional lives. They have needs and they're afraid of things. We all are, you know, or we're all working for something, trying to take care of other people. And I think, you know, that attitude can take you all the way through a business relationship because not that many business relationships end like we're done (laughs) if you act that way. Right. You know? I've always been really surprised by that, because if you are authentically trying to help someone, maybe you don't get the job, but maybe they really appreciated that you were authentically trying to help them, and then three years later, they just call
0: you out of the blue. 100%, and I think in some ways, that's where digital has actually come in and and has made a bit of a change, because now we're able to stay in touch with people, right? One of the things, I talk to people all the time, very specific, here's a tactical thing on LinkedIn, connect with people right connect with people even if you're colleagues or coworkers or you just met briefly at a conference I, you know colleagues is a great example well I, I, why would i connect with them we're in the same company you're right now but that might not be the case in 6 months or a year or 5 years um, and and so even just having that that light touch can be so valuable and you're right if you treat people well it's amazing what happens down the line, right? And that could be years.
1: Yeah, so you're not really networking for what the result you're gonna get next week. Right, right. I think some people actually think that.
0: They do, and I, and often because, hey, let's again be straightforward, because they're feeling pressures, uh, sometimes external, sometimes internal, I get it. You're a salesperson with a quota, you're like, I gotta hit my number this month, or, you know, if you're looking for a job, you're like, I need to pay my rent this month. I need a job right now. Uh, I often say, and, and that's actually the biggest mistake I think people make with networking is that they only do it when they need something. Uh, I had this conversation with a friend once who got a new job and I was like, awesome, start networking for your next job. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that might be in 10 years, but the, uh, the great, great Irish saying, the best time to fix the roof is when the sun is shining.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's such an important point. And if people take nothing else away from this episode, I hope they really heard that. Because the, the people do, it's like, you know, in marketing, it's like people think, uh, occasionally think marketing is like a faucet. You turn it on when you need the revenue. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't work that way. Mm-mm. You know, you're not like, oh, we got the business, turn off the marketing faucet. No, yeah. We need more, turn it on. It doesn't work that way, you know? So it's the same thing I've imagined with networking in that you're networking as part of your life. You're networking as something you enjoy. And if you don't enjoy it, it's a great thing to try to learn how to enjoy it.
0: Well, and, and find a way that you do enjoy it, Yeah, right? I think I made a joke earlier about golf. Uh, I'm not a golfer. I'm bad at it. I've tried it once, twice, not interested. And, and nothing against my friends who love to golf and, and love a beautiful day on the links. I get it. But I always was, was kind of like, A, I don't like it. And B, if I need four hours to build a relationship and uncover like an opportunity, I'm doing it wrong. Uh, I really, I, you know, I enjoy a nice conversation one on one with somebody if that's over a cup of coffee or I, I do a lot of happy hour networking where I'll just, you know, meet somebody uh, out for a drink back, back in the day when we could do that a little more commonly. I actually r- ran a, po- well, run a podcast, we're on highest between seasons. Called Beer Beats in Business. Yeah, I
1: like your podcast.
0: Yeah, and honestly, it's it, I, I started for the exact same reason that you did. I was like, I don't know if there's any business to be had here, really, but I want to talk to smart people who are interesting, and we'll talk some business stuff. We'll talk. I, I do like craft beer. We'll talk music, and it was just a really great way of being like, hey, you might not just have an hour to spend with me and share your wisdom, but. You want to be on my podcast, and everybody's like, "Yes!"
1: And it's so much fun.
0: Yeah, but th- but those and, and by the way, that worked for me, right? Uh, I actually share with people, I'm not I'm not an inherent extrovert. Uh, I'm a I'm an introvert with really finely developed social skills. I'm with you. And so I found mm-hmm. what I have friends who love going to the big conferences and love the trade uh, show floor and like that just rock, they get fired up. Me, that exhausts me. Yeah, you'll find me at one of those curled up in a corner. <laughs> And, and all that's right. I think a, a mistake, you know, if somebody's listening to this and thinking, oh, I'm, not, I'm just not a networking kind of person. Like, I'm calling bull BS on that. That's that's not true. We all can, can build relationships unless you've been living under a rock as a hermit. You've done it before. You've created a human relationship. Networking is just about being intentional with it.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if it's something you enjoy, you got to figure out your own way. I had uh, a guest on the podcast, Daisy Simonis, who is On LinkedIn, and she's a she's a someone who supports introverts. That's her whole mission is just to help teach introverts that it's okay to be an introvert (laughs) and that it's actually a strength. Sure. And I was so interested in that, I had her on the podcast. And I'm an introvert, but I love talking to people. But I'm you know put me in a room with like you know 30 people and noise and a and a big party, and I'm done. (laughs) I'm going to go outside and sit outside for a while. Yeah. So I don't. Hey, so are there any old school quote unquote networking or sales skills that you still think are helpful today you know there are any of those things that people those tried and true things that work in combination with you know the digital stuff and just being a human being
0: yeah absolutely so one of the best books still is how to win friends and influence people um if you haven't read it go read it it's old school some language is a little dated i mean it was written almost what 100 years ago so yes but there's so much brilliant stuff in there and one of the things that uh, was kind of one of my favorite quotes is, you can make more friends in two months becoming interested in other people than you can in two years trying to get other people interested in you. And this idea of, going back, just what we were talking about uh, being introverted, a lot of times people think like, oh, it's so hard to, to, how do I be authentic or how do I be me or like, what's my brand, all this stuff. Just go ask people questions and actually pay attention to their answers. Um, it, I mean, it sounds simple, but...
1: No, but some people don't know how to do that.
0: Right, so practice. Yeah. I, I actually, in uh, a lot of my trainings, I'll talk about something called the next question, where you ask somebody an open-ended question, you listen to their answer, right? Uh, and then instead of... In a lot of normal, slightly awkward human conversation, when somebody gives us an answer, we supply our answer, right? So mm-hmm. if I go, oh, where'd you go to school? And you say... I, Where'd you go to college if you went to college? I don't want to make an assumption.
1: James Madison University, JMU.
0: Awesome. Our na- natural reaction is to go, I went to Northwestern.
1: Yeah, right. And
0: then we just, okay, all of a sudden we're going nowhere.
1: <laughs> we just stand and stare at each other. Yeah.
0: But if you say, oh, hey, why'd you choose to go there? Right. Or, you know, and not even like what, maybe what did you study, but hey, how'd you, how'd you like that major? What What was your best experience there? Right. You just, you just, I've had conversations and I'd like to say that I'm making this up. I, I can literally remember one woman telling me this. She goes, You're a great conversationalist. I hadn't said a dang thing the whole time. I was just like asking her questions, letting her talk. Uh, and that, by the way, that applies even in the digital space, right? Instead of going, hey, let me tell you my opinion, asking people questions. Say, hey, you know, tell me about that experience. Somebody posts uh, something on LinkedIn. In the comments, asking a question, you know, what's what? What did it make you think about? I think that's a that is an old school tip that that never goes out of style. Uh, I think the other thing that is really valuable, and it can it can be a little excessive sometimes, but really getting clear with, let's call it your value proposition, just for lack of a better way of saying it. Uh, You know, there's the old school idea of the elevator pitch, which I always hated because I never did it in an elevator. Uh, and, uh, and also it's not about pitching because pitching has this sales connotation, but I do think you want to have a very clear introduction about what you do, who you serve, how the person you're meeting can actually help you. It's really easy to, to kind of blunder around that, hoping that the person you're listening, or who's listening to you, your, your networking partner in this case, will figure it out. It's so much more value to just be like, hey, I work with these kind of companies doing this kind of work for this kind of problem. Or I, I get this all the time. Uh, people say like, I'm looking for work. Great, what are you looking for? Anything, yeah. right. you're like, okay, I, I'll, I'll look for Just that. work? Yeah. yeah, but when right. I have somebody say, hey, I, I really love a director of marketing role. Uh, I've, most of my experience has been in healthcare because then it allows me to listen for that. And I might not hear it, but I might be in a conversation with somebody or see it on LinkedIn and go, oh, you know, I can connect that. So, So that's an old school idea of the elevator pitch, but even if you're not thinking of a formal introduction, at least doing some of that groundwork can be really helpful, especially then when you're on LinkedIn and trying to communicate your value to your network.
1: I think that's a really, I think that's great advice because being, you know, taking the time to be able to be specific about who you are, and make what you're basically doing is try to make it easy for someone to understand so they don't have to struggle, you know. And I've always just thought of it as like, make sure you can just clearly say, I help people X, I help, you know, and then fill in the blanks because you don't need to give your job titles, you don't need to be a big deal. Just try to, on a human level, explain what value you add and don't worry about it too much.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, and you don't have to be clever or anything, just tell people, you know. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's, um, Something, uh, a shared friend of ours, Andy Crestedina, uh, we were having a conversation once about websites and it actually, I was like, oh, that's the exact same thing on LinkedIn. Where he's like, before people care your why, they wanna know your what, right? Yeah. We, we think of it obviously often the, the opposite because of uh, Mr. Sinek's uh, book, you know, what's your why? In the end, like, can you help me? Like, as Andy was saying, he's like, we have to tell people that we design websites. Once they're like, "Oh, I need a website," we can have a fuller conversation. Uh, I think the same thing. We often feel we have to be clever and slick, or you know, have that. We, we've all met the networker who has that super refined introduction. Just keep it simple. Say, "I, I help people get mortgages," right? <laughs> well, I help. I help people. I, I help companies that are developing uh, their marketing plan. You know, we're kind of like border collies, just getting all the different parts together and funneling them. In the same direction, yeah. you know. Okay, okay, cool. I get it now.
1: Get, getting everything to the right time. Yeah, yeah. and then you know, your uh, I think your what is informed by your why.
0: Absolutely. It isn't
1: it, your why doesn't necessarily lead, you know. But you know, people should feel your why, and as they get to know you, know that it's true mm-hmm. because you're you're just laser focused on it. Yeah. You know, it informs everything you do. But your what is so important because. Yeah, it, it, you know, without it, people are like, I don't know what this guy does. He was nice, though. <laughs> you know, doesn't do you a ton of good. <laughs> well,
0: and, and so if I had to add one, one other, maybe I guess this is kind of old school uh, idea is that so networking, whether it's in person or digital, what, whatever all tool you're using, is ne- it's networking, right? Uh, and so I think we've talked a lot about empathy in relationships, and relationships, and I think that is the foundation. But it's also okay to realize like. We're here to work as well. We're here. I mean, I always look at, um, somebody once said networking is uh, friendship with an agenda. And people can, you can might go, oh, agenda, that's really negative. I don't think it is. It's like, in this conversation, I'm going to uh, tr- find ways to help you. I'm going to be open to you being able to help me, right? You know, if there's a way, a lot of times we don't like to ask. Like, I'm going to, if I'm like, hey, I need you to introduce me to somebody, I'm going to ask. But the the goal is to to help both of us move our careers, our professional lives, whatever forward, and that's okay. Um, and, and And so that's about being intentional, as opposed to just hanging out.
1: That's great. I like that friendship with an agenda, and especially if you look at agenda in the positive way that you just said it, it'd be like a builder and an architect not having an agenda together, you know, and they're about to build your house,
0: right I love that. but they yeah. just
1: like each other.
0: You know, they're not,
1: they're really good friends and they're close and have great communication, but they just keep forgetting to build anything. Yeah.
0: And it's exactly right. That's pretty cool. I like that, man. (laughs) Yeah. So, so be, be okay with, with putting that work piece in it. My, my wife jokes, uh, you know, we've been together, geez, over 10 years now or around there. And throughout it all, you know, running my business, I I do a lot of networking and I have a lot of cups of coffee and, and beers. And there's, there's a lot of times where these are people that I've known for years. So she's like, well, no, you're just hanging out. You're just gonna have a beer with so-and-so. You're just gonna go meet Jim and hang out. And I'm like- You're just friends. Yeah. Yeah, And and I go, hey, it's not my fault that I figured out how to like put two things I really like, getting business and (laughs) having a beer together. And then she really hates it when I go- Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, she hates when I especially go, hey, remember that new client I just got in that check that I just told you I received? Yeah, I got that when I was introduced by the person I go have beers with all the time. And uh, she, I, I get some eye rolls, but uh, yeah, she doesn't give me as hard a time as it, uh, she used to. <laughs> I think it holds
1: up. I, I think you're good. I think that's a really great, great way to look at it. So is there any piece of advice that you've been given that has just really stuck with you? Because I'm sure over the years, you train so many people and you give so much advice. Is there any advice that someone's given you that's just really stuck with you?
0: That's a really good question. I, I think uh, if you look at anything good that I've taught anybody, it's come from someone else, right? Uh, I, I think good coaches, uh, and this is kind of the irony of you know, sales trainers or coaches or, or really anybody in any industry who's you know, kind of a thought leader, we're just vessels, right? We're just the, the, the holder of that information, that torch, you know, uh, as, as we go to the next generation. Um, you know, I think one thing that, that really stood out to me um, very early on, I said I, I got my start selling uh, selling Sunco knives. Uh, if, you know, I was a college student. I was, uh, you know, paying my way through school, and I remember my uh, my manager then, and, and I'd never sold before. He was like, "This is a good process. Trust the process, right? Learn it, um, you know. And, and other people that develop the process, trust the process, right? And it was interesting that when I followed it, I was successful. When I did and I wasn't uh, now there is part part of that has uh, been making sure you have a good process and that's a lot, a lot of work I do today because a lot of organizations don't even have that but what I've I really took what was at is find find something that works for you find a kind of a repeatable way that you can come to the world um, and, and just and then just work the system you know I, I, I and uh, there's the very old school, you know, plan your work and then work your plan. Uh, but it's it's true that I, I guess it's it's not sexy to say, but there there are no shortcuts to success. Um, there's no there's no easy path. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know if that's advice I got from one person or a worldview. <laughs> I, I love it.
1: Yeah, I think that's I I think it's i I'm really glad you talked about that because. I think people knowing that it's a, you know, once you have a process and you stick with it, not reinventing it every five minutes, not being so impatient yeah. about instant success is absolutely great advice. So in all the things you've done, all the books, you know, you're you're a, a pretty prolific author. What scared you, but you just went ahead and did it anyway?
0: Uh, besides having two kids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, so it's interesting. Uh, so I, I've run Rockstar Consulting now for 16 years and I tell people that wasn't actually scary at all because honestly, I didn't know enough to have it be scary. <laughs> you know? There's things I look back and I was like, why did I think that was a good idea? What, what I've actually found is when I'm kind of nervous to do something, that's usually the indication I should try it. And one of the things that just in my professional path that I've, I've tried to do is... Uh, I mean, one of the reasons i've I've done this business as long as I have in this way, and I think it's going to change and continue to evolve is uh, it's allowed me to practice trying something, right, trying something new right yeah, uh, you know I, I've written uh, twelve books the, the one that's coming out. it's we first editions come out, uh, but I want to do a children's book. I'm like, i you know I'm gonna try it.
1: Good for you. I wrote yeah. a book of, why not right?
0: I, yeah, I, why not? I wrote a book of haiku, you know it's like. Not best-selling uh, book, by the way. That's okay. I don't think there's a huge haiku market. Um, but yeah, I, 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 there, there, there actually hasn't been a lot of business stuff. And, and by the way, it's not that I'm not scared. I've just developed the muscles, I think, to go like, hey, I'm going to try something new. I'm going to try podcasting. I'm going to try writing. And there, there's no secret to it. It's not like I've, I, I'm, I'm not like wired for that. I taught myself. I think it all goes back to making calls as a young salesperson. And once you can do that, everything else is all right. Yeah, you can almost (laughs) do
1: anything. Yeah, and I think all great entrepreneurs, people who run businesses or people who are on the front lines of talking to other humans, you develop a muscle. Like, you know, I've had my own business for so long. I don't, you know, get overwhelmed like I did when I first started doing it. I don't ride the the waves aren't just crashing over my head all the time because I feel like I've seen most of it before and Mm -hmm. we're going to be fine. And that's a, it's a great experience can be a great thing. So uh, what was the highlight of this past year for you? Do you have any, any big highlights or big things coming up? Uh,
0: Of the, of the last, I mean, you know, we have a a one month old, so, you know, that's. Wow. That's a highlight. That that is, that is absolutely a highlight. Um, And and it said he's, we have a three-year-old and and a one month old and it's, I, I think we're good now. I think that might be, might be it, but that's, you know, doing that during the midst of the pandemic and, and going through all that and. Uh, we we moved as I had mentioned before and bought a, uh, a new house. So uh, I think the big thing for me and you know trying to find the way to make this applicable to the the listener is it's been a, it's been a year of a lot of change and I think it's been a year, a year you know two 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 years a little over two years of change for uh, everybody. I always say that survival is the win, and what I mean by that is you know we we often think we have to. hit a... And this is a very American thing. As I've built a global network, I've realized it's very American. We have these goals and we're like, hey, I've gotta do this and hit this and hit this and do this in my career and my family's gotta be this, I gotta make this my money. Like, it's very easy to forget that just waking up and being on the right, I, I lived next door to a cemetery for 18 years, quite literally, that was the other side of the fence. And I always used to say, as long as I'm on this side of the fence, everything else can be fixed. Uh that's, that's actually probably the biggest thing I've learned this year is I'm like, okay, I'm a lot more resilient than I, than I maybe even thought. And I think that if you're listening to this coming out of the last couple of years, you know, survival is the win. You've done great. No matter where you're at, and I'm sure we all like to, you know, make improvements in our life. But I think that's a, a big thing.
1: I love that, man. I'm so glad you said that. I think that's 100% true. And I think all of us learned we're more resilient than we thought. And I think, you know, if there's any silver lining and all that craziness is that maybe we realize that being grateful for what we have instead of just wanting more, you know, means a lot to to everybody. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've, I had the same experience. So I think, I think that's, I'm really glad you said that. So I've just got a couple more questions for you because I know you have a busy day and I'll get you out on time. Um, so uh, finish this sentence for me. If you hadn't been in sales, if I hadn't been in sales, I would have been a what?
0: If I hadn't been in sales... I would have been an Air Force pilot uh, or astronaut, at least that's what the, the 12-year-old me wanted to be. Uh, I, I, would have, I would have probably loved to have been a professor and maybe that's still on the, uh, the doctor, some sort of teacher. I, I, I'm kind of wired that way uh, but you know I love, I love writing, I love reading so maybe being a, an academic would have been in my path. Unfortunately, I, for being an introvert, I still like people a little too much. <laughs>
1: That's such a great answer. I get I, that's one of my favorite questions to ask and I get from, you know, some brilliant people like a global CMO for Bear said she would have been a chef. Nice. You know, and she's constantly combining ingredients as a CMO. And what you do, you are you're an educator, you know? Like when you look at your books and you look at your content, I learn stuff from you all the time. Oh, uh, thank you. You know, so you're out, you are out there, there lecturing go. and educating and doing it doing it in a really friendly way, which I think is super cool. So as an author, I think this is a great question for you. What do you think is a must read for people out there, um, you know, around the subject of networking or sales that you'd recommend for someone to pick up?
0: Uh, oh, sure. Uh,
1: Besides your books, which I will recommend.
0: Yeah, right. Let me, let me cheat and go to the, the bookshelf that's right behind <laughs> me here. It makes it a lot easier. You well, know, Time for a shameless plug. Yeah, right. Uh, great books around networking and sales. I, I think that I, I mentioned How to Win Friends and Influence People. I really do feel it's worth the time. Uh, maybe one that's a little older and kind of out of left field is, um, uh, never eat, uh, never eat alone. Uh, I think it's called, uh, uh, uh Ferrari or no, I'm going to say is where, where is it? Uh, yeah. Ferrazzi, oh. Keith Farazi. Uh, it's, it's an older book. It was actually one of the first books I read when I started my business. And, and I think it actually permeates a lot of my approach. Like he was, he was somebody, I still remember this, uh, you know, have, have dinner parties to like get people together and mingle them and you don't have to, and, and I didn't have a lot of money or anything. He's like, it doesn't matter what people are eating. It's about, you know, just kind of share experiences for people. And I was like, oh, I can do that. And so, you know, almost 20 years later, I'm, I'm known for our, our barbecues where I'm just like, I'm gonna get 10 people. I'm like, it's potluck. come on over. We're gonna, and, and so, yeah, I, I think that's a great one. Uh, I'd also, one of my favorites is uh, Daniel Pink's um, To Sell is Human. I think that's probably one of the most accessible oh, that's a great uh, book. for non-salespeople, especially. Because I read it as a salesperson, like, this is great, this is great, this is fantastic. As a sales coach and manager, I read it, it was like, oh, there's a lot of great stuff about motivation in there. But I think it's also just very accessible. Um, and Dan Pink's work in general is really good. I'm, I, I, I'm I, One of my wins as a, an author was, uh, he agreed to write the, uh, uh, cover blurb for my first book. So I was, I I might've been, I might've, I might have a little author crush on Dan.
1: Yeah, sure. You're allowed certainly allowed to do that. He's an incredible author, but so are you like, I I really enjoy your books and, uh, I've learned a lot from them. And I think, you know, I was excited to have you on because just your content on LinkedIn, I think again, you know, will We'll have a link to your LinkedIn profile and your books on your landing page for this episode. But you know, if anyone listening doesn't follow David, please do it right away. You'll learn so much, and, and really, his tone—he's so helpful for people, and it's
0: just amazing. I appreciate that.
1: So, I have one last question for you, and then I'll let you get back to your busy day. Um, if you could give your younger self any advice, what would you what would you give? Oh
0: man, I got so many things I'd like to tell that little little scamp. <laughs> Uh, uh, To be straightforward, I mean, I would tell myself to relax. Uh, I think it's really easy. Uh, It's something, an exercise I do this today, like I'll sometimes go, is the 50-year-old me, what would the 50-year-old me tell me, and and I'm 45, the 50-year-old me, the 60-year-old me, what what would I tell me? And I'd probably tell me, dude, this is not that important. Calm down. It works out. Uh, And I think about the things that stressed me out when I was 20, when I was 30. yeah, just relax. I would probably say have a little bit more fun, um, you know. And it works out. Uh, just, just, just calm down. You know, don't overthink this. And I think it's real easy—not for everybody, for for me, and, and probably a lot of your listeners. To, to, anxiety and stress are a part of life, but we don't have to have that much. So that's yeah. I would probably say enjoy yourself a little bit more, because um, you know. <laughs> The, the, the work is always going to be there.
1: Yeah, that's a, it's a great takeaway. And I think uh, most people have been through that or they're going through it right now. And, you know, hindsight is always 20-20. But the thing is, when you're, when you're in it and you think the whatever it is, the sale, the project, the PowerPoint, whatever you're working on, you think it's the, the end all, be all, just slow down, take a breath. You know, everything's going to be okay. Yeah, exactly. It, it really is true. You know, I I was there too. There were so many things I stressed out about in my 30s that I just did not need to at all. Right. So I think it's great advice, and I hope someone benefits from that. Hey, thanks so much for being on the podcast today, David. I had a blast talking to you. Uh,
0: as did I. Thanks for inviting me, and you know, thanks yeah. for the kind words. It's always good for my my uh, fragile author uh, <laughs> coach ego. Uh, but no, it's been great. And seriously, anybody wants, you know, come find me on LinkedIn, reach out, connect. Happy to uh, to help, and always always look. I I write books about networking. I better be uh, open to some networking. Yeah, right.
1: (laughs) Want to hear more inspiring stories? Subscribe on your preferred podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what we're doing, please rate, review, and share. It's the best way to support us. Thank you for listening
0: to Brand Story.